0: Ireland is a busy, bustling, modern country. But did you know that people have been living on this island for thousands of years? Have you ever wondered how it became the Ireland we know today? What happened along the way, and who were the people who made history? We could find out, but it'll involve a bit of travel. And I don't mean a bus or a train. Welcome to Time Travels, the programme where we explore Ireland's past from ancient times to the time of your great-great-grandparents. Are you ready? Hold on. I'm not quite sure where we're going to land. OK, it seems like we've traveled back about 500 years. This is Ireland in the time of the Normans. See that stone building over there? The door is slightly open. Come on, let's go in.
1: of you to drop by. You just caught me in the middle of my preparations for the feast later. I'm just doing my hair. I'm not quite sure of the style, really. It's a Gaelic one and quite tricky. Sorry, I should introduce myself. My name is Geraldine, wife of Edmund Devereux Norman, you might say. But nowadays, well, we're not really supposed to say it out loud, but between you and me, well, we do consider ourselves Irish. Our ancestors came along with the Norman invasion back in 1171, but we've always lived here, and we get on so well with the Gaelic neighbours that we really would like to be left to get on with things ourselves. A little while ago, the powers that be, you know, the authorities in the pale, that's the area in and around Dublin, they brought in laws which are really quite a nuisance. The Statutes of Kilkenny. <laughs> They decided that we were getting far too chummy with our Gaelic neighbours. And so they put together these laws to stop us from losing our Norman roots. We're not supposed to marry anyone Gaelic, to speak the Gaelic language, or to dress in a Gaelic style. (laughs) Now, this is just ridiculous, if you ask me. If I started wandering around dressed like a Norman, well, what would the neighbours say? In this part of the country, most of us don't pay much heed to the statutes. Now, would you like to have a look around the Tower House? It was completed only recently and we're quite proud of it. Of course, it can be a little draughty, but with a nice warm fire and the tapestries hanging on the walls, we don't usually need to worry about that. My clothes are quite thick as well, so we're nice and cosy here most of the time. Come up through here. This is the spiral staircase. Makes you a little dizzy at first, but you do get used to it. Oh, and be careful. The steps are not all the same depth, so you can trip quite easily. I nearly broke my ankle on them last week. Oh, and this here isn't really a window. It's an arrow slit, just in case we need to protect ourselves from enemies. Or if they get too close, we can always throw a bit of boiling oil on their heads through the murder hole. Luckily, we haven't had much call for any of these defensive measures recently, which is a relief, if you ask me. If you look out there, you'll see our manor, or large estate, if you like. We're loyal to the Norman Lord Fitzmorris, and we farm some of his land for him. He couldn't possibly manage it all himself, so there are a number of lesser lords who manage it. We're growing barley at the moment, and next year it'll be wheat. The system is called crop rotation, and it helps to keep the crops healthy. That's something that we, the Normans, brought to Ireland. (laughs) Yes, we did. You're welcome. Farming's not really my thing, but my husband could tell you all about it. Can you believe that the native Irish didn't even know how to make hay before we came? That's something else we brought, and it makes sure that the animals have something to eat during the cold winter months. I bet you're glad we came now. (laughs) Anyway, I really must get a move on. How does my hair look? Oh, it'll have to do. We've a travelling minstrel coming soon to run through a few of the pieces for tonight. I know, I know, the harp is such a Gaelic tradition, but I do so love it. Just don't tell anyone. (laughs)
0: good to be back in Ireland today. I think I'd like to know a bit more about the Normans.
1: Ask an expert.
0: Our expert is Carlos Brady, who works at Trim Castle in County Meath. Where did the Normans come from?
2: Well, the Normans were originally from Normandy in France, and that's why they were called the Normans. Uh, They invaded England in 1066 uh, in the Battle of Hastings, and then, a hundred years later, they came over here to Ireland.
3: What did the Normans do for fun?
2: Well, it depended on what age you were and what position in society you had. Uh, children would play conquers. Uh, they were working from quite an early age. From the age of seven, children were sent out to work. Uh, so they probably didn't have an awful lot of time for leisure. Uh, nobility... People with high rank, um, well music was very important so they would have had played an awful lot of musical instruments. Plays were very important as well. Uh, Especially the plays would have focused around Biblical stories. It was a way of spreading the word of Jesus and the word in the Bible uh, to everybody. Uh, And there were quite elaborate plays and fairs and festivals may have gone on for days. Jousting uh, was also important, would have been done again. There were competitions for knights and people of nobility.
3: What was Ireland like when the Normans arrived?
2: Ireland was divided into a number of smaller kingdoms. Uh, and, of course, we all know that it was German McMurray, the king of Leinster, who went over to ask for Norman assistance to get his lands back. And this is when Strongbow comes. It was just divided up, smaller kingdoms. We were a little bit unruly, I suppose, which is probably why the Normans found it quite easy to uh, invade the country because we really didn't were able to match the military might of the Normans. They were very well organised. Ourselves, the Irish kings, were kind of constantly sort of bickering and arguing amongst themselves, so they weren't sort of a unified bunch. Uh, so the Normans did actually sort of find it relatively easy to invade Ireland.
3: What did the Normans look like?
2: Well, the Normans probably didn't look too much different to us today. Probably a little bit darker. Uh, because they would have been from Normandy and France originally the average height of a Norman a little bit shorter than we are today for a man and a woman foot size was quite small too average foot size for a man was between sort of a four and a six a woman, a one and a three they didn't live as long as we do today Uh, so if you were in Ireland medieval times and you were walking around, if you were a 13 or 14-year-old, you'd find an awful lot of 13 and 14-year-olds. You would find an awful lot of people who were quite young. If you got past 25, 30, you had quite a high chance of living on into your 50s and possibly 60s. But the infant mortality was quite high. A lot of infants died. And it wouldn't be unusual for you to be married and have children by the time you're 13 or 14.
3: Why did the Normans come to Ireland?
2: They came to Ireland because it was an opportunity to increase their lands and wealth. Of course, they were invited, as we know, by Dermot MacMurrough, but it was an opportunity to, to get more land, essentially.
3: What weapons did the Normans use?
2: They used different types of weapons, depending on the scenarios involved. So if the soldiers, if they were foot soldiers, they had swords, different types of swords. They also would have had uh, long bows, bows with arrows. They also would have if you were on horseback, you would have lances if you're attacking a castle you use very different types of weapons of course battering rams uh, to break down doors which is why they put the doors and the keeps up quite high so they would not be as easy to, to bash in uh, you also had a catapult type weapon called a trebuchet for firing large stones or boulders at walls of castles to knock the walls down uh, or towers belfry towers siege towers these were large towers built up at the height of ...of the walls of the castle, so you could bring it towards the walls of the castle... ...to get over it and to get into the castle grounds.
0: We're here at Trim Castle in County Meath... ...and historian Carlos Brady is going to show us around.
2: Well, you're very welcome to to Trim Castle today. The castle itself is an Anglo-Norman castle... And it's the largest Anglo-Norman castle that was built in Ireland. So, very briefly, uh, to talk about the background of the Normans, they are descendants of the Norsemen of Scandinavia. And they settled in northern France at the start of the 10th century, uh, in Normandy. So that's where they became known as the Normans. And then in 1066, uh, a Norman leader, William the Conqueror, invades England. And he defeats King Harold II in the famous Battle of Hastings and he lays claim to the English throne so as the Normans are now living in England this is where they become known as the Anglo-Normans and that's how we still refer to them today. So the Kingdom of Meath, much larger than our county boundary is today. Uh, It included several modern counties, in fact, part of uh, uh, Offaly, Longford uh, and Cavan as well, as well as Meath and Westmeath. Uh, But de Lacey decides Trim would be perfect to base himself in Ireland. Uh, It's along the banks of the very famous River Boyne, which was his way of getting out to Europe, of course, because he can sail up and down the Boyne. He fortifies the mouth of the Boyne, the town of Drogheda, a de Lacey fortification. Uh, and he builds his first castle here. It's mostly made of wood. He builds it around 1174. It doesn't last very long. It's burnt to the ground about a year later or so. Uh, and then by 1176, he's starting to build what we're seeing today, which would eventually become the largest Anglo-Norman castle to be built in Ireland. Now, the large building in the middle of the castle is called the Keep. Uh, the Keep itself was the centre of for administration here so it's where De Lacey does all his business he lives inside he has his family here as well a few trusted soldiers and servants Uh, and there's a steward or constable who's the second in command all living within the main building Uh, then outside we have castle grounds which are quite large uh, covers about three acres 1.5 hectares and it's enclosed by a large stone wall known as a curtain wall now the curtain wall outside it we originally had a moat Now, the moat went the whole way around the outside and the moat helped protect the castle uh, because you had to get past the moat to get into the castle grounds. And we had one of our main entrances was the Trim Gate. The town of Trim developed around that entrance and that's why it was called the Trim Gate. There was a series of drawbridges to get past, uh, large doors, uh, a portcullis, which is the metal gate that they can drop down in front of the door to reinforce it. Uh, And there were also murder holes at the entrances. So your soldiers would be above the murdering holes dropping things down so they have weapons like their bows that they could use of course maybe stones or or boulders Uh, lime quick lime would burn your opponent trying to come in perhaps even sewerage might be used anything that might slow you down from getting into the grounds of the castle Uh, and the keep here there's only one way in so if the grounds were taken during a siege or an attack the soldiers would retreat into this central building to help protect it The last stand I suppose Uh, the entrance here there's only one door and it's on first floor level If you had the door down lower, a battery man would break it in fairly easily. So it's high up, it does make it that more difficult to to breach and knock down. Did you know
3: that all surnames beginning with Fitz, like Fitzpatrick or Fitzwilliam, are Norman names? They come from the French word, Fies, meaning son of."
2: Weird, but true. we're going to make our way up the chapel so we're going up about eight steps taking a turn to the left and we go into the chapel for a few moments okay, okay so we're back in the eastern tower so that the room that we're just above now uh was the disarming room was disarming, the disarming room was just below us uh, and this here would have been the chapel uh, the altar would have been positioned here facing the east, so it's very common that medieval churches face towards the east. It's towards the Holy Land Jerusalem. Uh, And we have this lovely feature just to the the right of the altar. The double arches with two small stone dishes and this is called a piscina coming from the Latin for pool. Two dishes were filled with water and one is for washing the priest's hands after mass and the other is for washing the chalice. So he wasn't allowed to use the same water to wash the two with. And then they'd pull the stopper out of the back, and the water would then drain away down the side of the keep, so it wasn't to be reused. Uh, and you can see some of the original plaster work is still left around, just above the piscina there, you can see it around here. So you have to imagine the entire building plastered like this, but it's white, not green. Okay, just over the years, the building has been a ruin for so long, and all the vegetation growing on the walls. When it was removed, it kind of stained the stone, so that's why things are quite green today. going up several flights of steps we're going up 35 steps now at this point up to where the new Great Hall was constructed uh, which is Water de so around 12.06 but if you can imagine originally guests trying to come up here um, 800 years ago or so um, you're climbing about 70 steps from the top right up to the bottom uh, from the bottom to the top should I say <laughs> uh, and also as well um, food is carried up here too Imagine being a servant, trying to prepare all the food outside and then bring it up to this level to feed all your important guests. It's not so windy up here, thankfully. We get a great view of the surrounding landscape from up here. Uh, so you can really kind of see why the castle probably chose to be built in this in this position. Uh, Meath and surrounding an area is quite flat, so you, you have a good advantage of anyone approaching. Uh, you can see the River Boyne is flowing just beside us there, and you can also see we have a modern section of the moat. So that's new. They re dug that just after the excavations, just to give visitors an idea of where the moat used to be. Uh, but that moat went the whole way around the castle walls Uh, and it wasn't a very deep moat but it was fairly wide and some of the moat uh, got its water from the river but then we have another stream that's now underground today that came from the other side of the town called the leper stream so that's re-diverted today and that was the main water source for the moat here at trim and we did have a dungeon in the castle Uh, it's down beside the entrance where you came through you can see the little wooden porch going in so that's our staff kitchen today so that's where they put us Uh, so that was originally the prison or oubliette, as it was known coming from the French verb oublier which means to forget now you are dropped in and you'll be forgotten about if you're very lucky Perhaps the previous prisoner might still be freshen up for you to have a little nibble on him for a bit. Uh, but otherwise than that, you'd just be left there, you would be forgotten about. Uh, but also, if you were committing certain crimes, uh, they might chop off your hands and feet, especially if you're caught poaching. Uh, they might even put you in stocks and display in the town for if you were caught stealing items. Um, or perhaps, if for a very serious crime, they might decapitate you, chop off your head. Now, the excavations off the grounds of the castle did reveal a few remains. Uh, no bodies, just the skulls. So, these people all had been chopped, had their heads chopped off. Uh, and it's not like you might see in the TV shows or the movies. Yeah, it's very difficult to chop someone's head off in one attempt. It took several attempts here. So, you can imagine chopping down a tree with a, a large sword or axe chopping the head off a few attempts, a few swings so in some cases here it took up to four attempts so it wasn't like you might imagine not that you imagine it too often but it's not as easy as it might seem but they only found I think about ten which certainly would suggest that it was a good deterrent because you'd hang the, the heads on the wall of the castle or you might stick them on a spike in the, in the, in the town itself and this was just to, sh- to make a point you're sending a message to anyone this is what might happen to you if you're caught doing something you shouldn't be doing
0: we're going to leave Carlos at Trim Castle now because there's someone else who wants to talk to you.
4: Uh, my name is Damien Busher and I work at the Irish National Heritage Park here in Ferry Carrig, Mexford, and I am our senior tour guide here in the park. Okay so the uh, the spot we're on here at the moment uh, is a very famous site because this is the, f- the site of the first ever Norman fortification in Ireland. Um, here on the top of the hill in the Irish National Heritage Park we had the site where the Normans first had their, uh, their, their first encampment we know that uh, the Normans landed in Wexford uh, at Bannow Bay and then they arrived into Wexford town and attacked the site and made their way out along the Slaney and we can see the Slaney River here out to an outcrop of rock where they established a moat, a moated site and uh, their first fortification so this is real historical context uh, for Ireland and they can come and visit the site here and actually still see the big moat that was dug around the site in order for these first uh, Norman settlers to protect themselves that moat would have had to have been dug by, by hand. So pickaxes, shovels, spades, it probably would have taken a couple of months to do that, but it would have been maybe 50 or 100 men digging that, 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 that moat because it's, it's three to four metres wide and two metres deep. So it's hundreds of tonnes of material to be removed, but it meant that the site was quite safe. We know the site was then attacked after that in 1170, 1171, and uh, it, was, um, it was eventually destroyed, but uh, it is the first Norman site in the country. So, uh, we know when the Normans arrived to Ireland first, they had to build uh, structures quite fast and uh, they, weren't, they were not temporary, they weren't permanent, and we call these uh, Mott and Bailey structures. Really, these are just a big mound of earth with a little wooden castle on top of it, a little courtyard or a bailey around that. And this is fine and it's very good, we can build them quite fast, but they won't last forever. So as time goes on, we start to replace them with stone. And here, we're looking at our big stone Norman site. And of course it's white, all whitewashed. the cement that they use between the stones is based on lime and limestone will erode very easily so we whitewash it to seal in the cement so that the building doesn't fall down but this is what you would have seen maybe a couple of hundred years after the Normans arrived uh, so maybe 13th or 14th century and it's quite strong very very uh, good at protecting us from Irish people raiding the site Um, but it's a little bit later after the uh, Norman arrival
0: The Normans came to Ireland over 800 years ago Let's find out why.
1: It's 1169 and things in Ireland are about to change dramatically. The King of Leinster, Dermot McMurrah, has been thrown off his land by King Rory O'Connor and the O'Rourkes. King Rory has established himself as High King of Ireland and Dermot is looking for revenge. He thinks he's so clever, the Rory fella. Well, I'll show him.
3: I have friends across the water, you see, and
1: they're coming to lend a hand. Dermot McMurrah has been to Wales to speak to the Normans, namely one Norman lord called Richard de Clare Fitzgilbert, also known as Strongbow. That's me, and yes, I am as cool as my nickname. The Normans had sophisticated weapons and armour, unlike the Irish, and they quickly beat Rory O'Connor's forces and re-established Dermot McMurra as King of Leinster.
3: Exciting news just in. Norman forces have just put Dermot McMurra back on the throne of Leinster, Here with me now is the leader of the Norman forces. None other than Strongbow himself, along with his bride-to-be, Aoife. Strongbow, I'll come to you first. Tell me, was it difficult to win this one? It was a piece of cake. These Irish, they were no match for us. Look at my chainmail, it is beautiful, no? It is indeed. So tell me, how did this invasion come about? Well... I was at home in Wales, and dear comes to me and he say, I have a proposal for you. You come to Ireland and get me my land back, and I will give you not only my daughter's hand in marriage, but you can become Lord of Leinster after I die. That's quite an offer. I can see how you went with that. And what our listeners really want to know is, when is the big day?
1: As soon as possible, really. We still have some preparations to make, but looking forward to it. And what was
3: it about Strongbow that you liked when you first met him? I mean, knowing that you had absolutely no choice but to marry him.
1: You know what? Initially, I was like, no way, Dad. And then, you know, I was talking to my friends and they were all like... Eva, he's such a total catch and I was like yeah but what if he's like not and then when he turned up I thought OMG he's gorgeous and he's got this crazy accent and I just decided this might be like a win-win situation you know so I said to dad count me in and here we are right quite
3: a whirlwind then
1: we're both excited about the wedding aren't we whatever see don't you just love his accent yes
3: Well, we'll be looking forward to the big day, too. That's it from me and our newest celebrity couple, Strongbow and Aoife, back to you in the studio.
0: It's over 800 years since the Normans first came to Ireland, bringing with them new ways of farming and of building. It seems like they settled in well, though, because it was soon said that they had become more Irish than the Irish themselves. So, where do you want to go next? If you enjoyed this show, Series
3: 2 starts on RT Jr. Radio on the 14th of April. Tune in live
0: at 7pm or listen to the podcast from the Orti Jr. radio podcast fee. This programme was funded by the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland with the television licence fee.